Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark, and on today's episode, I'm going to be joined by three guests. Yes, you're getting three guests for the price of one. And as you know, with Skip to the End podcast and Mark and Me, I don't even charge you. So you're getting even more value for money that you haven't even had to hand over in the first place. It's great. I've really, really enjoyed the fact that I've got to interview three people at once and to share it with all of you out there. So I need to basically tell you who it is. So on today's episode, I'm joined by Johan, Francois and Anouk, who are the writers and directors of Turbo Kid. Now, hopefully some of you have listened to Mark and me before. And a few weeks ago, you'd have heard my interview with Lawrence, who plays Apple in the film. At that point, I think I was talking about working with three different directors in one movie shoot, which I thought was quite unique. It was something I'd never heard of before. It blew me away when I heard about this. But at the same time, I thought, I want to speak to those guys. I actually want to, you know, reach out to them and get an interview with them because I want to know how that process works. It's, It's so much to make a film and, you know, so much thought and everything that goes into it I thought this is crazy to imagine three people all those ideas coming into the mix and how does it work so what better way to actually speak to them themselves so I've done that the interview's done and I'm just about to share it with you all if you haven't seen Turbo Kid please please stop this podcast now not because I'm going to suddenly ruin it and spoil what happens in the film but it's a fucking awesome film and I want you guys out there to go and enjoy it because it's blew me away and, you know, I've done two podcasts now on this film to try and get more people out there watching it. I see some people on social media that have gone and bought the film or watched it straight after listening to Lawrence's interview and I hope more of you do that after today's interview because it's a classic and I absolutely adore everything about it. But let's get on with the interview itself. So, without further ado, here is Johan, Francois and Anouk talking all things Turbo Kid. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Mr. Vaughn. Welcome. I'm loving the dog. <laughs> I was expecting you. It's looking good. I love it. <laughs> How are you all? Very good. And you? Yeah, yeah. I'm really good. Do you guys just want to quickly introduce yourself individually? Yes. Uh, my name is Johan. I'm Francois. And I'm Anouk. And we are the writers, directors of Turbo King. Yes. Very nice to meet you all. Nice to meet you too. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having us. No problem. First of all, uh, let me get my love out of the way and declare it all to you. So first of all, thank you for making a fucking awesome, batshit crazy, insane movie that I fell in love with instantly. Oh, thank you. It's too nice. We did it for you. So I'm happy you love it. That's very good. (laughs) Just for me. Yeah, it it was made made with uh, no money at all, but with tons of heart and love. So... Massively. Yeah, it's, it's really a love letter to our childhood. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it all started with your ABCs of Death submission for the Tears for Turbo. Is that kind of how it all started with the concept and everything? Yes. Uh, we participated in the first contest where they left the letter T to the public. And we did the T is for Turbo. And we did the short film, which uh, Ann Timpson, uh, the producer of ABCs of Death, uh, loved and wrote to us and said, do you want to turn this in a feature? And of course we said no. No, we said yes. <laughs> and it was, it really, Ann Timpson brought us our big break, opened the door for us to make our first feature. So we owe him a lot. Yeah, and we were kind of sad because we ended up 
third in the contest. We were first with the public votes. Uh, we wish that to, to, to have won, but at the end of the day, I think we won something bigger, our chance to do our first feature. So that was fantastic. Yeah. It's, it, it, blew our, it blew us our mind, and it's, it's so great to, to have that chance and to be able, because it's a co-production in uh, Canada New Zealand, and it's fun to bring both countries together to, to make such a crazy film. Yeah, and we began making short movies uh, in the early 2000s, and we... And we were babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little babies. Uh, yeah, we, we tried to make a feature uh, for, I don't know how, how many years, but it wasn't French. It's a lot harder to finance uh, a crazy movie like we do in and, French. But, and the, yeah. the first time we, uh, we had something in English, like the doors open right away. So our, our next feature will probably be in English as well. So after this contest, how did it actually go about getting the resources needed to expand into such a big feature? Because it's one thing doing a short submission for a very, you know, two or three minute piece, but then to expand that to a whole, you know, hour and a half movie, that, that's a big project. Yeah, we, we knew right away because the short film is mostly a big fight scene. So we couldn't just stay on that level. So we, um, we knew as soon as we started writing, the feature film that we needed a heart and a story and characters that we care about. So since the first version of the, the, the feature, all, all, our, um, uh, all our work went to that, to make sure that people would care about those characters and love those characters. Because you can have all the craziest, over-the-top gore explosion if you don't care about the character after a certain time, people will tune out. It's there's nothing to get hooked. You have a you need a good story. So it was really important for us to um, to have that. Yeah, I guess we already had the cool concept like Man Max, but with BMX bikes. And like Johan said, the biggest challenge was to uh, write the love story. We we knew that we we needed that. To so that everything would connect together. Yeah, and it was a challenge for us because it was the first time that we actually wrote a love story. At the end of the day, it worked well. <laughs> Definitely. So what inspired the post-apocalyptic um, setting of the film? Because there's lots of influences out there and inspiration. So what were you actually drawing on in creating this look for the film? Uh, we explored a lot of things when we were doing the short films and... Uh, when we actually wanted to participate in the contest and did TS for Turbo, we really wanted to pay homage to the um, uh, post-apocalyptic rip-up, uh, Italian rip-up of Mad Max. And that's basically where we started. And then, yeah, we wanted to bring the, the fun with the BMX and kind of did like... In that universe, of Turbo Kid universe, there's there's the Italian rip-off of Mad Max. There's a little bit of the, car the Sunday morning cartoons we would watch when we were kids in PJs eating way too sugary cereals. There's there's a lot of um, the movies that we grew up with. Like There's a little bit of uh, Emblem, like Goonies and all, all those films. So it's really a love letter to our childhood. And that's yeah. where I was going to say next. So when I watch this film, I'm a big, uh, I, I'm 35 now. So my growing up was all 80s films. And that's why I'm such a big fan of stuff like Stranger Things. It's a big love letter to this. Yeah. And when I'm watching Turbo Kid for the first time, I was seeing kind of 
Shades of BMX Bandits, The Road Warriors, early Peter Jackson films like Brain Dead. I saw John Carpenter influences. I saw so much. So was that kind of your personal tastes? And was that kind of how influenced you were for this? Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, BMX Bandit here in Quebec was huge when I was a kid. Like It was a huge film. Everybody loved that film. So it, definitely for, for the, the colors of the film, we definitely went with BMX Bandit. Yeah, um, I would say you mentioned Peter Jackson. He's the whole reason I'm uh, doing movies now. Like he was my uh, when you have a a spark, that spark that that's what I'm, I want to do in life. It was after watching Brain Dead. Yeah, I mean it's incredible to see that he went from kind of Brain Dead, and then we had stuff like The Frighteners, which is incredible. And then he had the Lord of the Rings films. It's just it must give you a lot of kind of inspiration that you can go from doing anything small to the biggest blockbuster out there. You know. Yeah, and we want to explore. We, we want to try different style. We want to, to try different types of films and, and to see what he accomplished because he went from one side to the other. I, I hope it happens yeah. to us as well. But to see young directors like Peter Jackson and Sam Raimi to uh, like do it, like, uh, yeah. to, 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 to be uh, successful, yeah. uh, it's, the, uh, it's inspiring. Yeah, it's inspiring. So my big question is, and it's it's something that I've always been curious about, the film, correct me if I'm wrong, is set in 1997, is that correct? Yes. So why was this film, because I'm sure you must have been like, let's do this as 85 or 1983, or I'm sure this film in your head should have been an 80s film. In, in, in our mind is that the apocalypse happened during the, the 80s, so now we're in 1997. So we're in the, fu- the future, and like... A lot of the, the, the Mad Max Italian ripoff always had dates on them, like 1999 after the fall of New York or, or stuff like that. They, they had a specific date, so we wanted that. We wanted to um, also to wink at those uh, VHS tape cover, but at the same time, it made sense story-wise that the apocalypse happened in the 80s. That's why it's so 80s-infused. Yeah. But now we're a little bit in the future. Yeah. We're in '97. Yeah, it's basically the future of the '80s. Yeah, yeah, the future of the '80s. And if we see it as a movie that was shot in the '80s, it makes sense that uh, the future is '97, even I, though it's already because yeah, we're in 2000. <laughs> but it, so much movies from the '80s were so doom and gloom, like even beginning of the '90s, that we would never see. The year 2000, or if it is, it would be a dystopian, like, horrible future. Yeah. There were so many of those films, so it made sense. Whereas that... the only thing that's left is leather and spikes. Yeah, exactly. And hockey equipment, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> what I really love about this film, apart from the costume design, is the old school practical effects, which I think is a shame we don't see anymore. Now, my favourite films ever made are Jaws and John Carpenter's The Thing. That's my... F- oh, God, The Thing! Is, ...is just a masterpiece. And I saw such a refreshing look in your film where it wasn't just CGI. You took the time and the effort and the heart to use practical effects which which are timeless and that's what i miss now when i watch a film that's 10 years old now i see cgi that looks dated i will watch turbo kid in 20 years time and it'll still look good that's totally true and also you can really feel it uh when you have practical effect um the public are more invested when it's real they're more invested it's it's the same thing like you could redo a car chase in cgi 
but there's always something off that's yeah. not completely true. You're not connected. Just, yeah. yeah. This is CGI fest. It's like watching a cartoon. Yeah, it's noise. At some point, it becomes noise because you're just like being flashed all these CGI stuff. There are some CGI in Turbo Kid, but uh, we only use it when we had no choice. And uh, for us, the best CGI is the one that you don't see. Yeah, it's there to assist the practical. And yeah. Even, you know when the kid uses his, uh, his gun and people explode? Yeah. Well, we went in front of green screen with bag of goo that they shot with shotguns to explode. And then we incorporated it to the screen. So it, even when we use CGI, it added, it added base and real practical effect. It's it's amazing. It's it's so good to see, and I hope that you stick with this moving forward with other films because it's just it's I miss it so much, and I have to go back to my old eighties and nineties films to really like Gremlins and appreciate you know the the puppets and the the old school yes. effects. I like. There's still rumors they're going to do a a third Gremlins. I hope with all my heart they go practical as much as possible. It needs to be at least eighty percent practical. It's- I don't know about that. I have hope. What's what's really strange is the episode that I released last week was with Zach from Gremlins, um, who plays Billy, and he he told me that uh, on the interview that basically if they do do it, which is very, very close now, he thinks it'll only be Gizmo that will be a practical effect, but everything else will be CGI. I hope they don't. Like, I won't judge the... The, the people behind the project because we don't know what's happening behind the scene but I hope they go they go practical as much as possible they have to and, and use a little bit of CGI just to to patch what the practical effect cannot do yeah I, I think it would help a lot at least Gizmo will be real at least Gizmo will be real yeah, that'd be- I want I want you free to take on the new Gremlins film uh, we would love to yes. we would love to please if somebody's listening <laughs> It would be a dream project, and we would do it practical because we know how to uh, to shoot for them. We know how to shoot for CGI, but we were very good with practical as well. So we're like pitching to try to get the film like live. <laughs> <laughs> One of the um, best things about the film is the amount of character, and you started saying this on the very start of this interview. The heart in the film. How important was it to get those performances out of the cast? It was so important. Like I was saying earlier, if if that relationship between the kid and Apple doesn't work. The whole film doesn't work. Like it, you can have all the gore and everything. You don't want anybody to start watching your film and going, dude, at one point that guy heads explode. I'm going to show you. And they fast forward to that point, show it, and then not watch the whole film. You, you want to get people to get invested from the beginning with their character to watch the whole film. So the... That was so important for us. And there was a magical moment in the, when we were in prep, and uh, we remembered that it was when uh, Laurence and Monroe actually met, mm. and uh, they were just like trying the trying out the BMX and just riding together the BMX uh, in the studio. And it was just when we saw this, we saw like it's a perfect team, it's a perfect match. They're gonna they're gonna nail it. It's it's perfect. Yeah, they had such an amazing chemistry together. Yeah, like just fantastic and they became yeah. good good friends um through the through through the, the production of the film and I, I think it shows on screen it, it, it massively does i mean when i'm watching the film i, I genuinely believe that munro and lawrence are genuinely in love yeah 
you, you, you could believe that. Yeah. They're not in real life. The itch, <laughs> they're all in a relationship. We, we don't want to uh, start rumors, but... Um, but they're, they, they are that good. Like, are, yeah. Yeah. We're lucky to, to, to have such uh, talented yeah. actors because we didn't have the time to do everything we wanted to do. Every day was we, we had to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, they were so good that every time we didn't have the time to like shoot like multiple, multiple takes. takes we only have time for one or two they would nail it the first time so they they, they always came very very prepared and uh, for directors it, it was easy to work with such talented actor and uh, i would love to work with them anytime oh yeah it was fantastic because you would give a small instruction they would get it right away and do it like perfectly it felt empowering <laughs> it's like, but they're amazing you're very blessed to have such a good cast because you know Munro, yes. Lawrence and Michael absolutely fantastic well, and Michael became a great friend to ours and um, he's been great giving us advice on our career and everything he's, he's done everything he's been in the, in the business forever and he's seen everything and he's an amazing man amazing man and it, a lot of people doesn't know but before becoming an actor, he's done a, about every job on set. So he knows the job of everybody. That was that was awesome to have him on set. I would say working with Michael was interesting. At first, uh, it was really hard because I get it. We're, we're three directors. Uh, it's kind of unusual. And uh, we really had to win his trust. And when we did, now everything was... Uh, Yeah. Perfect. Like uh, he jumped in like full full head on, and we had so much fun. Yeah, and uh, I would mention also uh, Aaron Jeffrey and uh, Edwin Ward Wright that are playing uh, Frederick the Wrestler and Skeletron. Like the whole cast, we would work with. Oh yeah, oh, everyone. Yeah. Every time somebody would leave um, because it was their last scene, everybody on set would cry. Like I mean, the whole crew would cry because. It was a hard shoot because um, weather was not on our side, so we had to battle the elements, and we often didn't have a lot of time, but we, we were able to build a family on set and Turbo Kid, and everybody was equal, and everybody was fighting for this film. Every time somebody had to leave, especially for Edwin and um, Aaron, because they were going to go back to New Zealand, so we knew that we wouldn't see them soon. And everybody on set would cry. Like from, from the grips to the PA to everybody would like we're just touched by those amazing human beings. We cry. We cry oh yeah. But I'm the bad example. <laughs> I, I, I know Francois cried, which is it means something. Me I cry all the time. <laughs> like I'm a crybaby, so my tears doesn't mean anything anymore. I feel so, I feel sad now. I'm feeling about I'm just picking <laughs> I'm picturing all these people on, on set crying. Yeah. Oh, you should have seen us when we shot the ending where, uh, spoilers, uh, Apple dies. There was no music, just the, just seeing them and we were like, what have we done? It's all part of the process. And if you built a family on set that's that close and you're spending that much intimate time together, it's, it's never going to be easy to say goodbye. No, no. no it's like a heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's I think the hardest thing about making film, because um, for young directors out there, it's hard making film. Like, don't, don't think it's easy. It, it's really hard. But the hardest thing about making films is once you're done, when you went to war with all of those amazing people and 
your home in your PJs watching TV, it's there's there's something missing. The, to say goodbye after a shoot is the hardest thing about about filmmaking. It's it's absolutely brutal. Whenever I uh, recommend this film to anyone, I always tell them to go out and buy the Blu-ray because the HD picture is such an improvement and I genuinely believe that the locations you filmed on add such a depth and such a unique style to the film. Um, Were these locations actually looking apocalyptic or did you have to dress them up a lot more because it just looks so natural? Um, We we film most of the film in a quarry in Montreal, a lot of it did look apocalyptic, but uh, we had an amazing, amazing uh, art- artistic director uh, called Sylvain Lemaitre, which did miracles with no money. Like he would rub two, two, like two quarters together, and suddenly we had a set. So <laughs> yeah. we cut a lot of thing, but we let the you know the spaceship, yeah, that scene in the script, just in case he would be able to do it but we we had already other plans like we'll never get a spaceship so where can we put this scene and everything and so we had other plan we were ready to, to but he, cut I it don't know how he did it but he made it he just put two uh, back together and some plastic and ta-da! we have a spaceship <laughs> and it, it was looking good yeah, and he was supposed to have two weeks to build that spaceship and uh, because we had terrible weather and um, on the first day of shoot we started having snow so the scenes that were supposed to come later on came came uh, earlier so instead of two weeks he had three days to build it and he made it so, so it's he, he is an amazing man he deserves an oscar for that alone oh yes totally he deserves all the oscars all of them all of them best actress give it straight to him <laughs> Obviously, it's quite unique to come across three directors working on a film. I can't imagine it working all the time. It must be times where it's heated and you've got three very strong personalities and ideas. And do they always click, or is there a lot of, oh, you you got your say, so let's go with your choice? Or is it how does it? It must be impossible. Uh, actually, no, it works very very well because we've been doing it for such a long time. Do we fight? Yes. Do we fight behind closed door? Yes. Do we fight on set? Never. Yeah, we basically, uh, we fight when we write the script. Yeah. That's when we fight. On, on, on the script yeah. level, that's where, that's, that's where uh, there's compromise. But never compromise. Everybody has to be happy where, when we take a decision. Yeah. Exactly. And we'll pick at, at, at an idea until it's good enough to go in the script. So if somebody still have a problem with an idea... We'll still work on it, work on it, work on it until the idea is good enough to go into the script and that everybody's happy on that idea. Or if it's not, then we, we just... Yeah, we scrap the idea and yeah. we, we, we go in uh, another direction. That's the only moment where there's argument. But when we get on set, after pre-production and everything, where we're not on script, we're such on the same uh, wavelength that there's never any argument we all know where we're going and it's always worked perfectly and we yeah. we can't afford to lose time because we're arguing yeah exactly so actually on set it becomes uh, something good that we're three because we can come up with solutions quicker yeah and, yeah we're like a band you know when you just give a look 
and we understand each other. And we yeah. start to solve. We have that. <laughs> we have that weird hive mind where we like share a brain. That that's amazing. That's why it works. Yes, exactly. And, and also we're family, so we hang out together all the time. Like we don't hang out only when we're making film. Well, we're always working, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that's why we hang out all the time. But we're always together. We always we talk with each other at least five times every day. So, and that's been for like more than twenty years. We've been like this. So, well, I think we're uh, an, an anomaly. Uh, yeah, like it's not it's not for everybody to to do it for so long and be successful and to still be here now, talking with so much passion and love. It, it's it's refreshing <laughs> to hear. Oh, thanks. Unless it's all put on, and in five minutes when this call ends, you end up all beating each other up like a Royal Rumble in wrestling or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we said, behind closed doors. Behind closed doors. <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> but we never really, like, it's never big fights. No. It's just, it's, it's just... I'm not sure about this, and then we argue about something, and then eventually we we, we get to there. It's it's passion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're passionate people. Where does it go from here? Because when I spoke to Lawrence, and I hope she didn't, you know, say the wrong thing, but she kind of confirmed that she's going to be in the sequel. Yes. Well, that, that's out there. So yes, yep, that's yes. okay. So let's confirm it as well. We had no choice. Bring her back, but yeah. how she, how will, will she be will. back? And who shall she be? You're a tease. There's no mystery around that. So you guys, what's the timescales? What are we looking at? Are you writing at the moment? Have you done the script? Uh, yeah, we were done with the script. It's in the producer's hand right now. So it's kind of just following the normal uh, process of uh, filmmaking. filmmaking, like development and everything. So we might do some tweaks before on the script before we, uh, we actually shoot. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's going well. It's going, going yeah, it's going very, very well. Like, it's, it's just doing what movie does, and movie takes time to, to be made. I know I've mentioned him uh, a couple of times today, but I did hear, when I listened to your soundtrack to the film, I hear influences of John Carpenter. I hear it. Yes. I, I love John Carpenter, and I'm sure you guys do. If you if you don't, you're crazy. Um... <laughs> like, he's a guy. Let, let's, let's face it. He's a guy. Like he's a super guy. Yeah. yeah, he's he's the super god of cinema. But, but yeah, but that, that's crazy because our cinematographer is actually also uh, one of the member of the band who did our uh, our score. Oh, uh, cool. Got, yeah, and he's got the same. He's our one of our best friends. Uh, we've got the same inspiration, the same love for cinema and everything. So and for nostalgia. So uh, yeah. He's, so he's the fourth <laughs> member. He's yeah. not here today, but he's, he's at the same level than any of us. Every one of our film will be making with him. Yeah. Like, it, there's such an amazing chemistry with him, so... It, it really is crucial to your film. I think without it, it would have not... It wouldn't have... You know, it, it's still a great visual film, and the directing's great, and the acting's great, but that music adds so much to the film. It's it's crucial. Yeah, it's... Yes. A, I think Tarantino said music is the soul of the movie, and I kind of agree yes. with that. It's yeah. Such an important part, and also I, I don't know how many reprints of the the the, the vinyl of uh, five. Turbo Kit five. Okay, there are five reprints of the vinyl. So if ever you say reprint, jump on it because I don't know how many other there'll be. But uh, it's great because people really love the music, and uh, now the matos that 
make the music are always on tour playing the soundtrack of Turbo Kid. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, they, they were in San, in San Francisco like last Friday. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Playing a so they've done all right out of it. <laughs> <laughs> what is the future looking like for all three of you at the moment then? Have any of you got any projects where you'd like to go off and do something on your own or are you always going to be this unit? I don't see the fun in that. No. Uh, uh, the movie making is very stressful and to have three people to bounce off ideas that, like that eliminate the self-doubt because um, I don't know we, we have such a strong bond and it really helps us to, um, to to be stronger the, the fact that we're three makes us actually stronger so I, I wouldn't see us going on our own and making project on our own I, I think we're having too much fun together yeah, why would you change the winning formula? No point. Exactly. And, like, each one of the group is a security blanket. So <laughs> it's good. <laughs> We're like Linus and Charlie Brown. And making movies is kind of like going to war. Yeah. And the fact... But not actual war. Like, yeah. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> in a allegorical way. I don't know if it's a word. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It is now. It is now. It is now. Just to be free and face all the chaos and the bullshit and everything. Uh, it's, it's it's one of our strength and uh, yeah, superpower. Superpower. And like Francois, um, I think one of the great examples of Francois, what is uh, filmmaking is, is you know when you play a, a video game yeah. and you have to mash one of the buttons to fill out the power bar. So you're mashing it, mashing it, mashing it. And you see the time going down and you're mashing it and you're trying to get that bar as far as possible. That's, that's a little bit... Yeah, we're huge video like... gamers. So it makes sense to us at least. <laughs> so if people that listen to this show play video games, they'll get it, I think. It was budget versus our vision. Like, yeah, exactly. What, what we actually are able to do with the budget. It's hard. It's a... and, and also we see movie making as a collaboration and everybody comes together to make the film the producer the actors the team everybody's in it to make as good a film it is possible to to make so we really really see movie making as a collaboration because from the get-go we're a tree so to add other people on the team is great we just see it as adding like more strength to our core yeah, and I know you had a, another question in there, um, like what's next for us? Uh, actually, we're leaving this Friday to Vancouver to shoot our uh, second feature, which is called Summer of '84. And, you can uh, find it on Facebook. Uh, we're really, but we're really exciting, uh, excited to uh, to be able to make another movie before to work it too. Yeah. If that makes sense. And yeah. tell me a little bit more about this film then. Um, is it going to be another kind of horror or is it going to be a bit action-y? Or? It's, it's more closer to horror than Turbo Kid. It's, yeah. more, um, it's more grounded. Uh, the, the, and it's the first time we uh, will direct a script that we didn't write, which is very, very interesting. Um, but we, as the first time we read the script, we fall in love with it completely 
So we we knew we wanted to to make it, but it's it's a little more grounded. It's all more real. It's not as crazy over the top as Turbo Kid. It's but it was still feel like one of our films. It's it's still like in the same atmosphere. It but fits way with us, darker. Yeah. Way darker. Yeah. I'm way excited. Darker. I'm excited for it. Yeah, we we always pitch it like a, a, a Goonies or the Burbs, but R-rated. That's yeah, it. I'm sold. I'm sold. That's all you needed to say is an R-rated Goonies. <laughs> and uh, Jean-Philippe uh, and his band Le Matos is back to uh, yeah. to write the score. Yeah. And do and, the cinematography. Yeah. And, and yeah. Um, a question for Anouk. Being a female uh, director, um, has it been? A good week for you seeing Patty Jenkins obviously get the directing role for Wonder Woman and being so successful. Is it quite refreshing in a world that's quite dominated by male directors? Is it being quite a, you know, yeah. quite a quite a good thing to see? Yeah, it is, and it's uh, it's also good to have uh, you know a female director get such a big uh, a big project. Also, to be able to to drive such a big project, it's. Uh, it's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I have yet to see the movie though because we're so we're busy. We're going in prep in like yeah. five days. So we, uh, we're missing everything, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's really it's really cool to see, and also the Endmate Stell, which I'm still able to follow. So that's also something I'm really proud of. Uh, yeah, it's directed by uh, by a woman. Yeah, was also a cinematographer. Yeah. It's, it's good to see it. So it's really nice to see, and to be given a, a DC film on that scale of that, you know, it's normally Zack Schneider. Yeah, exactly. It's it's amazing. Yeah, to have a. should be more. There yeah, should, should be more. more. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because sometimes uh, Anouk is not seen as a female director because she's part of a group with two guys. Yeah, so I'm kind of not in the allowed in the the girls band, but <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of weird. But, yeah. I'm always rooting for uh, for them, yeah. Yeah, and but she is, you know, she is a female director completely. And uh, for people that uh, we often say it, but it's true, she is the brain of the operation. <laughs> like, like we're two goofy guys, like itching a ride. Like she, she, <laughs> she is right. She is the brain of the operation. She, she's, she's the one that. Okay, now serious. We, yeah. <laughs> no more joke. Okay? No more joke. <laughs> You need a voice. You need a voice of reason. Yes, exactly. And she still totally is. And, and it might it might probably keep great. you. It might keep you grounded at times. Yes, and she's amazingly creative, and and she she understands things, and she's she, she's amazing. I, I don't think the group would be like like we have if it weren't for Anna. Well, each each element is is important. Oh, there's so much love in the air. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so it's sounding pretty good for the future. You've got a brand new film you're going to be working on. Okay, it's not your script, but you get to direct and have loads of fun and, you know, have a bit of a breather and then start to miss working on Turbo Kid. And then after that, you go back and do the sequel to where it all came together. It's it's exciting. It is. It, it is. And I think it's, it's good that we do a film before Turbo Kid because um, we don't... I, I love the universe of Turbo Kid, and I wish, we're, I hope we're going to do multiple of them. But we we don't want to be the Turbo Kid people. We don't want to just do Turbo Kid. We don't. We want to explore. We want to try other things. Yeah. So to, to do another movie in between Turbo Kid would be amazing. 
Because Turbo Kid needs at least a trilogy. I'm shooting out out there. <laughs> yes. No I, I agree, but I think I think the best thing you needed to do was have a break and do something different. I think, let's be yeah. honest, you know, we we're not all, you know, how long has it been since we talked about Gremlins? But you know, we don't need Gremlins one, two, and three over three years. We need to miss and wonder yes. what those characters are up to and want to fall in love again with them. So I'm now pining for Apple. I need to see her on the screen again. So you guys kind of teasing and telling me we will makes me think. Oh, wicked! I can't wait. If I had her already, <laughs> if I had her already, I'd be bored and wanting to see her again in the third film. So it's nice. Awesome! Yeah, and also uh, there's a bit of pressure. Um, we don't want to uh, fuck it up. Can I say fuck? Yeah, up? of course. <laughs> this is you can say what you want. <laughs> yeah, so we just we we want to make this right, and um... because some of the fa- the fans out there of Turbo Kid gave us so much love. Like some of them are getting tattoos and we're receiving so much fan art and cosplay and and original music and there, there's so much love uh, from all the fans of Turbo Kid that we want them that when they watch Turbo Kid 2 to be as happy than when they watch Turbo Kid 1 and there's some like there's something that we cannot do anything about is that Turbo Kid 1 had the element of surprise but element, but oh my dog is coming in, running in. Oh, doggy. <laughs> but Trouble Kid 2, everybody will know some of the characters, so there's a little bit less of. So we're really working on the story and the heart to so that people fall in love again with uh, the whole universe. Is it? Um, is it kind of? The pressure must be... It makes me think, when we're talking like this, it makes me think of a band that come along and have an amazing debut album, like... Instantly, I think of someone like, you know, The Strokes or Pearl Jam and all these bands that come out and then they have to try and follow it up. And usually, let's be honest about it, they bring out some shit because the pressure was too much to try and replicate it. So is there that pressure of, let's be honest, you know, The Matrix, when that came out, amazing, absolutely amazing, Jaws, amazing, but the sequels were always shit because it was just... No, it really is a hard thing to get the second film, and especially the third. That's where most of them really screw up. But I'm not trying to scare you guys. But the pressure must be <laughs> <laughs> the pressure must be intense. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It, it yeah. is. It is scary. If if you care, it is scary. I think if you don't care, it, it must be easy because you're just going along with whatever you want to do. But we care deeply about that universe and so we we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves yeah. and um we we want to release something that's as close to perfect as possible sorry yeah. for the dog special guest appearance from the dog <laughs> yes see the dog is excited the dog is shouting out that he wants you to do well <laughs> <laughs> I will finish by saying uh, thank you and it's a pleasure to speak to you and I wish you all the success in your new film. It sounds great. I'm already excited. You sold it to me on saying, you know, Goonies are rated, so you need to live up to that now. Yes. 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 There's never pressure in in making a film, right? Do you guys ever sleep or do you just lie awake all night stressing? No, I, I mean we don't have time for sleep. Like, nah, sleep. We're on so many projects right now that um, every t- every waking hour we're working. So that's how it should be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So when do you guys fly out? Is it next week? Uh, yeah, on the 9th, actually. Wow. Friday. Yes. It must be exciting. It must be getting those butterflies in your stomach thinking, we're going to be doing another film. Oh, yeah. It's been, uh, I think, uh, three months of that uh, nonstop of butterflies. And <laughs> it's, like Christ- it's like Christmas Eve. Yes. 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 It is very good butterflies. Yeah. You're in a plane and you're about to jump uh, like with a parachute. And it's it's exciting, but you know it's kind of controlled. Like it's scary, but you have a control over over the jump. But it's scary because you have to do a, a good movie. That that's the yeah yeah. So you need a good parachute now and not hit the floor. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> thank you guys. I really uh, enjoyed this interview. It's been great talking to you guys. Oh, thank you for having us. So there we have it. There's the interview with Johan, Francois, and Anouk talking all things Turbo Kid. Turbo Kid 2, which I'm very, very excited for. Just great, great people. One of my favourite interviews, and I know I keep saying this, but I am only 13 episodes in. I've been able to speak to some of my favourite people in the movie industry, and it's not going to stop. I've got huge, huge respect for these guys. You know how hard it is to make a film. To work together as a tight unit and have these creative, really, really out there ideas, but they work so well. It's it's an absolute pleasure to sit down and speak to these guys. So I hope you guys at home have enjoyed the interview too. Um, what I'm really liking at the moment, especially with Dominic's episode um, a couple of weeks ago, is the feedback. Again, you're all telling me how much you're enjoying the stories, how much you're enjoying knowing more about the film industry. Yes, I love going out there and speaking to people like Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, Sir Anthony Hopkins. But I also like speaking to people that make the films and are behind the cameras and... You know, it's it's fascinating to hear their stories and get that more knowledge and insight into the film industry. Um, so I hope you guys are enjoying it too. The numbers are going up and up. You know, I was blown away by the response from Dominic. It's been it's been fantastic. Um, for any of those guys out there, you know, we are going to be getting him back on soon. Um, there's some really good episodes that I've recorded and got down already with some other guests. You know by now I don't reveal any of my guests. It's all about playing on social media, going on my Twitter, going on my Facebook and basically waiting for me to tease and then hopefully drop the name. Um, My episode will be out again in two weeks' time. It's not always going to be every two weeks because I will end up, you know, uh, being ill from doing this and skip to the end. But as soon as I've got content, I'm going to do as much as I can to get it out there consistently for you guys. I love the feedback. Please keep tweeting. Please keep going on Facebook. Just keep letting me know what you like. If there's any guests you want me to try and reach out to, just tell me. It doesn't matter who it is. I will do my best to get them for you. Uh, Like I said, I've got some really good content coming up. Just stay safe. Be cool. And I'll speak to you all again in a couple of weeks' time. And thank you again for listening and giving me your time. I love you all.